Now listen to Father Knows Best, transcribed starring Robert Young as Father. Welcome to Springfield and another half-hour visit with the folks in the white frame house on Maple Street. Sit back and enjoy life with the Andersons, Kathy, Bud, Betty, Margaret, and Jim, as the head of this typical American household again sets out to prove that father knows best. We'll join the Andersons in just a moment. You know, this is still the season for carefree holidays and vacations. But don't be carefree on the highway. With roads jammed with traffic, this is the time to be extra careful when driving. When you plan a trip, be sure to allow plenty of time so that you won't be forced to drive too fast or too long. When you get tired at the wheel, you lose your skill and your judgment. So don't drive too many hours at a stretch. Plan your trip so that you can stop frequently and get plenty of rest. And when you start that trip, resolve that you're going to obey traffic laws and regulations. Don't gamble with safety. Remember, the life you save may be your own. We once knew a man who was extremely wealthy. And he had a wonderful system for acquiring money which we think will interest you. He was up every morning at 6, worked 14 hours a day, 7 days a week for almost 20 years. And then, when he was only 45 years of age, his uncle died and left him $3 million. Wasn't that nice? Of course, a thing like that would never happen to our friends the Andersons, but it almost did. Yes, sir, they came awfully close to being the richest family in Springfield. Like this. I know, Frank, but I don't care what Gribble says. Look, Frank, Van Norton's willing to give us the land, and if the committee isn't willing to take it... Okay, Frank. Okay. And you can tell Gribble for me that he's nothing but a pig-headed old goat. He's nothing but a self-centered, stubborn old jackass. That's what he is. Is something wrong, dear? Oh, that Gribble. He's killing the whole deal I worked out for the playground. Jim, I wish you wouldn't take it so much to heart. It isn't your responsibility. That isn't the point. I talked Van Norton into giving ten acres of land for the playground. Giving it, mind you. And Gribble won't even take it. Says there must be something wrong with it. Well, can't you tell the rest of the committee? Margaret, I've told them. I've told them until I'm blue in the face. Well, maybe if you talk to Mr. Gribble again. Gribble? How can you talk to a lunatic? All you have to do is mention the name Van Norton and his nose lights up like a pinball machine. <laughs> I still say you've done everything you could. Well, I'm not licked yet. I may not have as much money as Gribble, but I've got a lot more sense. Of course you have, dear. I suppose you think I haven't. Jim, there's no point in arguing with me. Well, there isn't anybody else around to argue with. <laughs> All right, dear. If it makes you feel any better... Hello, Father. Well, Catherine Hepburn. Uh, Betty. Betty, if you're going to start spouting poetry, I'm warning you right now... Isn't this the most beautiful day you've ever seen? Beautiful? It's raining. Rain. Uh, Betty, I think you've picked a very bad time. Falling to earth like dew from an angel's wing. Margaret, in exactly one minute... Uh, Betty, I think you'd better go up to your room. But I didn't do anything. You deliberately disobeyed me. 
I told you I was in no mood for any of that hogwash. Father. And that's all it is, hogwash. I'm too happy to argue. If you say it's hogwash, it's hogwash. Well, I'm glad somebody's happy around here. (laughs) Mother, do you know where I'm going next Friday? No, dear. To see a picture with Tony Curtis. Who's Tony Curtis? He's a Hollywood star, dear. Oh, that one. You mean he's taking Betty to the movies? (laughs) Father. Well, you just said... He's in the picture. I'm going with... Stanley Lawson. Oh, who's he? He's a new one, dear, and a very nice boy. He's wonderful. Now I know what they mean by nine-day wonders. Betty's boyfriends. Aren't they, though? Hi, everybody. What's cooking? Oh. (laughs) Jim, now what is it? Why does everybody have to be so... Happy. Boy, when you hear what we're going to do. Hello, bud. Joe Phillips and I bought a half interest in a corn popper, and we're going to clean up. Hello, bud. We're going to set up a stand outside the movies and sell popcorn to all the kids. How's that for an idea? Bud. And all we have... What? I said hello. Oh. Hi, Dad. And all we have to do is find some place to plug it in. Plug what in, dear? The corn popper. What corn popper? The one I bought with Joe Phillips. You see, we bought a half interest in a corn popper. But don't you know when you're being kidded? About what? The corn popper. What corn popper? (laughs) Oh, no. Gosh, I don't see anything funny about our corn popper. All I said... All right, bud. Just forget the whole thing. But I can't. I have to supply the salt. (laughs) You have to supply what? Oh, dear. Now what? I was elected, Mommy. I was elected. Well, if it isn't William Jennings Bryan. <laughs> Kathleen, how many times have I told you? Daddy, I was elected. Isn't it wonderful? All right, now, just calm down. Take it easy. I was elected. Kathy, to what were you elected? I'm the treasurer. They had an election, and I'm the treasurer. The treasurer? Say, Kathy. Bud. Not the first day. (laughs) Take it easy. Well, I was just thinking... Margaret, do you know what this is all about? Why, of course, dear. Kathy was elected treasurer. Margaret, of what? My club, Daddy. The little vultures. (laughs) The little who? Vultures. It's a kind of a bird, and I'm the treasurer. Wait a minute. Where did you ever dig up a name like that? Well... I'll be back later, Mom. I gotta Bud, go... Bud, to... come back here. Holy cow. Were you the one who cooked up this delightful little tag for Kathy's club? Well, gosh, Dad, they said they wanted some kind of a bird's name, and... Well, have you ever watched them? <laughs> Bud... We like it, Daddy. We made Bud an honorary vulture. <laughs> well, it couldn't have happened to a nicer boy. Betty? Never mind, Betty. I'll get it. The little vulture. <laughs> Leave it to my children. Hello? Oh, hello, Hector. What? Well, thank you very much. Oh, sure. I'm the luckiest guy in town. Sure. Okay, Heck. I'll be seeing you. 
congratulations. If there ever was a guy who needed congratulations less... Who was it, Jim? Hector Smith. He wants to extend his heartiest congratulations. Isn't that nice? About what, dear? He didn't say. (laughs) Maybe he heard about me. (laughs) He's known about you for years. (laughs) Believe me, that isn't what he meant. Jim, I won't be able to sleep a wink all night. Why did you call Hector back? I guess I won't have to. Maybe this time our dear friend Hector will let us in on the joke. Some joke. Hello, Heck. Oh, George. I'm sorry, George. You see, Heck called a minute ago, and I thought... Well, thank you, George. But I don't know what... George. No, we're not having any celebration. We don't even know... George. Hello, George. Oh, fine. Was it Hector? No, it was George Phillips, and he's very happy for us. What on earth do you suppose it means? I don't know, but if those guys are having a good time at our expense... I'll get it. You stay where you are. I'll find out what this is about if it takes all night. And if that's the kind of friends I've got... Hello. Hello. Jim, it was the front door. Oh. Get a man so mixed up, he doesn't know what bell is ringing. After a while, I'll probably hear bells when nothing's ringing. Yes? Mr. Anderson? Yes? My name is Ford. Richard Ford of the legal firm of McGonagall, Bristol, and Finch. Oh? Well, uh, come in, Mr. Uh, Ford. Uh, Mr. Ford. Thank you very much. Why don't we uh, go into the den? Jim, if that's the paper boy, tell him I'll pay him next it time. It wasn't the paper boy, honey. Oh, is that Mrs. Anderson? Yes, yeah, she's in the living room, but... Well, why don't we go in and tell her the good news? What good news? Uh, All in good time, Mr. Anderson. All in good time. Ah, Mrs. Anderson and all the little Andersons. Honey, this is Mr. Ford of... uh... McGonagall, Bristol, and Finch attorneys. How do you do? Uh, How do you do? Uh, Sit right down, Mr. Ford. Thank you. Why don't you kids find something to do someplace? Oh, no, no, no. Let them stay by all means. (laughs) After all, this concerns the entire family, doesn't it? What does? Uh, Yes, indeed. Uh, now, uh, you are related to Joseph James Anderson, are you not? Yes, I am not. <laughs> what? I've never even heard of any Joseph James Anderson. Well, that's very strange. I had it on very good authority that uh, Robert Bruce Anderson, perhaps? Yeah, he was my father. Oh, but... I knew I hadn't made a mistake. Uh, Mr. Anderson, Joseph James Anderson was your father's cousin once removed. Oh, you mean Cousin Joe. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> well, we haven't heard anything about him for, oh, 30 years. Matter of fact, I think he died about 20 years ago, didn't he? No, Mr. Anderson. Joseph James Anderson passed from this veil of tears less than a month ago. That's impossible. Why, he was over 70 when he decided to run away from home and go to Arizona. He, <laughs> he died last week at the age of 102. Well, you see, my father always said he smoked too much. (laughs) (laughs) That poor old coot. The uh, poor old coot, you may be interested to know, made you his sole heir. Jim! Father! Daddy! Holy cow! Now, don't get excited. If I know Cousin Joe, we've inherited three barrels of bottle tops. (laughs) Betty? Father, isn't it the most wonderful thing you've ever heard? The phone's ringing. I've never been so excited in my whole Pardon life. Pardon me, Mr. Ford, while I answer the phone. That's quite all right. 
Well, help me next summer. I'm going to spend my vacation in the nice, quiet boiler factory. Hello? Oh, hello, Mr. Gribble. Well, thank you very much. Now, about the Van Norton land... Well, naturally, I... Advice about what investments? You want my advice? (laughs) Well, if you think I'm qualified to... All right, J.P. At 12.30 tomorrow. See you then. Goodbye. He wants my advice? Jim, we're waiting for you. Uh, that was Mr. Gribble, honey. He wants me to give him some advice on his investment. Uh, let's talk about it later, dear. Mr. Ford wants to tell us about the inheritance. Why don't you sit down, Father? Here's a cushion, Daddy. Want me to get your house slippers, Dad? Look, I just finished telling you not to get excited. I know Cousin Joe, and he never had a dime in his whole life. That may be true, Mr. Anderson, but if you'll be good enough to sign this retainer, I shall be happy to tell you about the estate. Well, Okay. What is it, four barrels of bottle tops? It is a 15,000-acre cattle ranch, Mr. Anderson. A ranch? 15,000 acres? With a possible value of $9 million. (gasps) Jim! Father! Gosh! Boy! Holy cow! So Father's inherited a $9 million estate, and to Mr. Gribble, that makes him a financial expert. Well, that remains to be seen. But right now, I'd like to ask you a question. Do you make it a habit to break the law? If you think not, what sort of driving habits do you have? Figures from the National Safety Council show that about 60% of the fatal traffic accidents each year involve the violation of one or more traffic laws. Many drivers just don't pay attention to the signs. Diamond-shaped, round, and cross-buck signs call for extra caution. Take it easy until the condition they describe has been safely passed. When crossing railroad tracks, watch for that second train you may not have seen. If there are any protective devices like flashing lights, wigwag signals, gates, bells, and lights, wait until they stop operating before stepping on the gas. These are your signs of life. Know them. Obey them. A week's gone by and the white frame house on Maple Street hasn't changed a bit. There's another rainstorm in progress, the same slippery spot on the porch that Jim's going to fix next Sunday. Everything's just as it's always been, except for the people. Yes, the Andersons have changed a little, I'm afraid. Not much, but a little. Like this. Well, that's fine, Frank. Oh, sure. Well, it really wasn't anything, Frank, but... Well, that'll be fine, Frank. Sure, Wednesday's as good a night as any. Okay, Frank. You bet, Frank. Yeah. Uh, Good night, Frank. What did Charlie have to say, dear? (laughs) That was Frank. Oh? How is George? (laughs) (laughs) You're so cute. It may interest you to know, Mrs. Millionaires Anderson, that your husband is being given a testimonial dinner next Wednesday. No. Yes. Why, Jim, how perfectly wonderful. 
What for? Why, for putting through the playground. That's what for. It's all signed, sealed, and delivered. Jim, that is wonderful. Boy, what a playground that's going to be. You and Mr. Van Norton have done a wonderful thing for Springfield. And I'm proud of you both. Well, you know how it is with us rich men. <laughs> Jim, do you know what I'm going to do with our first million? What? I'm going to buy Bud some new socks. Good <laughs> I have never seen a boy so hard on socks in my whole life. Look at that. Honey, uh, speaking of millions... Yes, dear? Don't be too surprised if Cousin Joe's ranch comes to less than Mr. Ford said. Oh, I was only joking, dear. I know, but when he said nine million, that was only if each acre was a whole unit. It might be a whole lot less. I didn't understand that very well, Jim. What was that unit business? Well, it's very simple, honey. In the cattle country, a unit is the amount of land required to feed a cow and her calf for one year. That's the way they figure. And that's worth $600. Mm, roughly. Then why do they say it might be less? 15,000 times 600... Margaret, we aren't sure about the land. Maybe an acre won't feed a cow and a calf for a year. It might take uh, two or three. Jim, really? Well, it might. And if it takes three acres to make up a unit, then each acre's worth only uh, $200, and the ranch is worth only a third, or three million. <laughs> oh, dear, we'll just have to get along with a smaller swimming pool, that's all. <laughs> that might even take ten acres to make a unit. Oh, Jim, let's not be ridiculous. After all, how much can a cow and one small calf eat? I don't know. But if it did take ten acres, well, that'd make it $60 an acre, and 15000 uh, we'd only have $900,000. Wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> you know, I've got a good mind to... Jim, please. The front door opened. Yeah, it would. But... We're in the den, dear. What's the matter with you? Oh, Father, you got lipstick on your chin. Never. Somebody must have bit me. <laughs> Creepers, isn't this a miserable day? Why, Betty, I thought you said... Rain. All it ever does in this town is rain. Now, wait a minute, sugar. Let's get it out in the open. What happened? Oh, it isn't important. I didn't want to go to the movies anyway. So that's what it is. What's what what is? She had a quarrel with Stanley Lawson. I didn't either. It's all Father's fault. My fault? What did I do? He liked me when we were poor, but just because you had to go get $9 million. Now, wait a minute. In the first place, we weren't exactly poor. And in the second place, we've got the $9 million nicely whittled down to practically nothing. You have? Might even be less than $1 million. Oh, what good is that? He still won't take me. He says he can't afford loge seats. Why, Betty. I told him I didn't mind, but he said girls with $9 million always sit in low seats. Naturally. They save a whole row for girls with $9 million. <laughs> it's the row right in back of the girls with $10 million. Jim. Well, this is the silliest thing I've ever heard. We haven't collected a dime. My bank book looks like an undernourished flapjack. And Stanley Lawson won't go out with my daughter because she's got $9 million. Betty, don't you think if you explain to him that nothing has really changed... But it has. Everything's changed. Bud? Hello, Dad. Not another one. Is anything wrong, dear? Ah, that Joe Phillips. What a pain he turned out to be. Something amiss with the popcorn tycoons? 
Well, why should I supply all the butter? I bought the salt, didn't I? We were all so happy when we were poor. He even had it figured out how many pounds of butter you can buy with nine million dollars. Well, I'll bet that'd fix all the popcorn from here to Lowe's, Calcutta. Bud, if you and Betty don't take these things too seriously, I'm sure that... Mommy! Oh, God's now what? Why, Kathy, darling, what is it? They kicked me out of the club! <laughs> oh, Angel. Margaret, why don't you let me... Kathy, why did they kick you out of the club? They won't let me be a little vulture. Uh, never mind them, sweetheart. No one can keep you from being a little vulture. <laughs> I mean, uh... Jim. Well, you know what I mean. Kathy, does our uh, nine million dollars have anything to do with your expulsion from the club? Uh-huh. They said it was too suspicious. <laughs> what was? They made me the treasurer, and the next day you had nine million dollars! <laughs> Fine. Tell us all about it right after you answer the phone. No, Jim, wait. Betty, why don't you take Kathy upstairs and get her cleaned up? Okay. Come on, Blabberface. Oh, Betty, I was so happy being the treasurer. Bud, the phone's ringing. You want me, Dad? Where did you go? All of a sudden, I got hungry. You want me to answer the phone? No, never mind. Either they all answered at once, or they let the darn thing ring for an hour. Well, keep your shirt on. I'm coming. Hello. Well, hello, Heck. No, we were just sitting around having fun. I can't hear you, Heck. Sorry about what bad news? We haven't heard anything about any... Heck. Okay, Heck. Sure, if it'll make you happy, I'll keep the lower lip stiff, too. And thanks for calling, Hank. Goodbye. Gloomy character. Sounds like he just took a walk through a haunted house. Who was it, Jim? Hector. He heard the sad news, and he's very sorry. What sad news? You don't suppose he's the field secretary for the little vultures, do you? <laughs> Every time something happens to Kathy and the vultures, Hex on the phone. Oh, my aching ear. Why don't you let me get it this time? No, I'll carry through to the bitter end. Better mousetrap Anderson, that's me. One more trip to the phone and I get permanent possession. Hello. Oh, hello, George. Oh, thank you very much, George. Goodbye, George. This can go on all night. What did George want, dear? Oh, same thing. Bad news. Keep a stiff upper lip. Pip-pip. Tally-ho. <laughs> well, the least you could have done was ask him what bad news and play straight for those two practical jokers? Margaret, I'm surprised. You've known Heck and George as long as I they have. They were you... both perfectly sincere last time, Jim. Say, that's right. They were, weren't they? Maybe I'd better call them back. Jim, this time it's the doorbell. Thank you very much. Treat a man like he needs a seeing-eye door opener. 
Oh, hello, Mr. Ford. Well, Mr. Anderson. We were sort of hoping we'd hear from you. Come on in out of that rain. Thank you. Ah, uh, but I have spent a busy week. I'll bet you have. Honey, it's Mr. Ford. Hello there. Uh, Mrs. Anderson, how nice. Go right into the den, Mr. Ford. Uh, thank you. Well, this is a comfy little spot, isn't it? Why don't you sit at the desk, Mr. Ford? Then you can spread out all your papers and things. Yes, that would be nice. Uh, let me get you a couple of cushions. Oh, no, no, this will be fine. Just fine. <sighs> now. Yes? Well, uh, first, here's the receipt for your $100 retaining fee. Oh, that. Yeah, very important, you know, all these little details. Let me see now. Oh, yes, uh, the ranch. If you haven't anything else on your mind. Jim, please. Oh, yes, you, you must be very anxious. Oh, of course not. What do we care for a couple of million dollars, more or less? Dear me, I'm, I'm afraid you're going to be just a little disappointed. You see, when I said nine million... Mr. Ford, how much is it worth? Well, you remember what I told you about the unit system? Yes. Uh, one cow and one calf for one year? Yes, yes. Well, on your cousin Joseph's ranch, it seems that one cow and one calf need quite a bit of land. How much? Uh, 1,200 acres. Well, <laughs> hundreds. Oh, Jim. Which makes the value of the land 50 cents an acre. <gasps> oh, Jim. Well, that isn't too bad, honey. We'll have a ranch to go to every summer, and all it cost us is the $100 we gave Mr. Ford. Uh, Mr. Anderson, as your legal advisor, may I suggest that you just forget the whole thing? Forget it? Yes, you see, the land is only worth $7,500. Well, <laughs> What's wrong with $7,500? Nothing. Except that we found a bill for $8,200 in back taxes. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> the Andersons will be right back. Did you ever hear this familiar phrase? I didn't know it was loaded. That's a pathetic excuse, isn't it? But what about this one? I didn't see the train coming. That excuse is loaded with tragedy. The National Safety Council asks motorists to consider these facts. About half of all train-car collisions happen in daylight. Two-thirds happen in clear weather. One-third of them happen at crossings protected by gates, lights, bells, or watchmen, as well as the road signs. Do these facts point out to you that many drivers are careless, thoughtless, daring, or impatient at grade crossings? What about your own driving? Do you always watch for those crossing signs, the signs of life? Do you always think there may be a train coming? Do you slow down and look well to be sure? Is life worth a little extra care at a crossing? Think it over. The life you save may be your own. Remember Francois Villon? He was king for a day. Remember the Andersons? They were millionaires for a whole week. Which is nice work if you can get it. Anyway, they're back to normal now, if you can call anything connected with the Andersons normal. Like this. Wasn't Jimmy Woody sweet, Mommy? Yes, dear. He said he didn't care what anybody said. 
If I wasn't a little vulture, nobody was. That's my girl. Isn't this the most beautiful day you've ever seen? She saw Tony Curtis, huh? Well, she went to the show with Stanley, but I think that's all she saw, Stanley. Dad, I got the plaque all polished up. How does it look? Fine, bud, just fine. Let me see it again, please. Oh, Jim, isn't it beautiful? Where do you think we ought to put it, honey? In the den, naturally. To James Anderson Sr. For outstanding service to the youth of Springfield. Isn't that nice? You know, it's a funny thing, Margaret, but I've got a peculiar feeling that the plaque isn't all mine. What do you mean, dear? Well, I wasn't getting anywhere with the playground until that silly inheritance came along. You know what I'm going to do? You're not going to give it back. No. But down here on the bottom, I'm going to put a little sticker that says, With one assist, from Cousin Joe. next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson. In our cast were Gene Vanderpile as Margaret, Rhoda Williams, Ted Donaldson, Helen Strome, Harley Bear, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Father Knows Best was an NBC Radio Network production, written by Ed James, directed by Max Hutto, and transcribed in Hollywood. It's more adventure with Counter Spy, tonight on NBC.